And so, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the reflections of our hearts and minds together this morning be found pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So we're exploring the Old Testament book of Haggai over these four weeks. If you missed last week, it's available on our website and you can catch up with uh, part one. Haggai isn't the best known prophet in the world, but he arrives on the scene about 520 BC and delivers a number of clear challenges from God to God's people and then disappears again. Over four months, he is used to challenge the people of Judah about finishing the job that God has asked them to start over a decade before, namely rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. His words are for the king, Zerubbabel, for the high priest, Joshua, and for all the people. Through this little known prophet, God revives a struggling people, inspires them to take up their tools to fulfill their calling all the while reminding them that God will not abandon them, but will finish the work that God has begun and will use this small hodgepodge bunch of exiles to do it. As we began to explore last week, Haggai's message resonates, I think, in lots of ways with our current situation too, the call to take up our challenges and our callings again. They're a reminder that God isn't finished with us yet that we seek to discern that fresh sense of vision and purpose, being determined not to miss what God gives us, but instead to grasp it and to run with it. The reminder that God's purposes are far more important than our own agendas and plans. The promise that as we rise to obey, God embraces us and wants to work with us in building and extending God's kingdom. We can't do this on our own, of course. The idea that we work hard and pray hard and do more will eventually mean everything turns out well. We know just isn't true, but God invites us to catch a fresh glimpse of the kingdom, to be a partner with God in that mission and to see the kingdom grow and the world changed. And so as we come to today's instalment of the story, last week the people had had this message from God through Haggai a challenge to focus again on what God had called them to do. The call went out, the message was given. But as we finished in verse 11, we hadn't yet seen how the people would respond. But respond they do, and their response is good. God stirs their hearts, God assures them that God is with them. You see, the thing when God challenges us is that it demands a response. The people respond And it was more than just words too. So often we say we'll do something. We acknowledge that something needs to be done. But when other things get in the way, we can so often fail to deliver on what we've said. We promise to help something, then pressure at home gets in the way. We promise to pray for someone and then it slips our minds. We might even tell someone who's given a message on Sunday that that really made us think. And then within seconds, the coffee or the smell of the roast dinner, and it all just dissipates. It's so easy to do, and we shouldn't beat ourselves up about that. But verse 12 tells us that they went beyond saying something needs to be done, and they actually made a decision to do something about it. In verse 12 we read, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people, began to obey the message from the Lord their God. 
when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, from whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Our faith can become a real life-changing force when we do something with what we believe. The key to understanding their response is the fact that they believed the Lord was speaking through Haggai. It wasn't just what Haggai said was good. They responded because they recognised the voice of God in what Haggai had to say. Perhaps it's also interesting to note that after they obeyed the voice, that they obeyed the voice of God, and then God stirred their hearts. What's God's response to us when we respond to God? When we feel like things have to change, it's ever so easy to feel discouraged and become fixated um, on the way in which we feel we might have let God down. You begin to wonder how God might use you again, or even to ask yourself if somehow you've blown it for good. But one of the wonderful things about the kingdom of God is that that isn't ever the case. In verse 13, we have this beautiful picture of what God does when people respond. Then Haggai the Lord's messenger gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. At some point in this week, I'd encourage you to get out your Bible, to read Haggai chapter 1, verse 13. I am with you, says the Lord. To read it slowly, to pause, to be quiet, to let that wash over you and seep deep into your spirit. Perhaps even if you can, take a few moments to read the story of restoration that we find in the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 too. Because there are so many ways in which we often feel that we let God down. But God is swift to scoop us up, to remind us of God's love and to reinstate us in God's plans just like before. The option is always there for us to turn back towards God, to confess our sin and to start afresh with him. God longs to use us more deeply than we realise, to renew and revision us in, days that, in ways that are profoundly moving and humbling. So how do we respond to this act of God to renew and restore us despite all our own foibles and inconsistencies? As God tells us that God is with us, as our hearts are stirred for a new thing, what do we do with that? It's worth thinking about that over the coming week, I think. And in exploring these four verses that come at the end of chapter one today, it's hard to get a grip of what was happening I think, without exploring the role of the leaders in their community. And says, so the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, uh, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, the high priest, the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And they began to work on the house of their God. Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the people had to respond. The context of the passage seems to suggest that the leaders responded first, or at least their response is recorded first. The leaders needed to stand up and be counted and needed to be willing to lead. As they obeyed God and stepped away from what was comfortable and familiar to the hard work that lay ahead of them, the people did so too. There are a few things more dangerous for a Christian community than fearful or lukewarm leadership. It breeds a sense of mediocrity that can give the impression that God doesn't mind, that God doesn't mind a lack of passion or interest. I think some of the great movements of the church require uh, leaders and people in positions of leadership, not just in the church, in fact, in every sphere of life, to take courageous steps. 
The men and women of the Bible who led others were not perfect, far from it. Abraham was a liar, David an adulterer, Moses a murderer, Peter didn't know when to stop talking, Deborah was impulsive, Mary and Martha had sibling rivalry in spades, but what they all had was a passion for God's kingdom. People don't follow committees or strategies, whether that's at school, at work, at church or wherever. They follow people who are able to communicate their heart and to do so with passion. And when that heart and passion for God is exciting, things can happen. It's for God, exciting things can happen. So Rabbi and Joshua were leaders. They took a risk in responding to God's voice. They made themselves vulnerable in doing what they felt God was calling them to do because they were more concerned with that than with saving face in front of the people. And so as God stirred their hearts, God then used their response to stir the hearts of others. As the leaders step out and are willing to listen and respond to God, God releases a different spirit amongst the people. In verse 14, we see the people of Judah rising up, picking up their tools, getting stuck into the work of rebuilding the temple. Whereas days before, they'd given up and settled for everything as it was. They were comfortable in Jerusalem. They saw no need to rebuild the temple. Yet here they are, fired up and ready to go. All of us who have any responsibility in any position of leadership, wherever that is, have an opportunity to do amazing work for the kingdom. You certainly don't need to be in church to do that. How can we be more stirred up to make a positive impact, to take the values of God's kingdom into the places where we find ourselves? Most importantly, the evidence of being stirred up is not saying we've been stirred up. There's a lot of people very good at talking the talk. But it's beginning the work, it's getting on with it, that really tells us that something is happening. What challenges might be putting us off doing what we know needs to be done this morning? What has God been speaking to us about that we've been suppressing or ignoring in the hope that something easier or simpler or more popular might come along? What are we waiting for? What are you waiting for? Jesus was so supremely focused on what mattered, on doing the Father's will, of uh, calling out injustice, of speaking good news about forgiveness of sins, of liberation, of wisdom and truth. It was and remains the greatest teaching the world has ever known. Was it simple? Not always. Was it easy to put into practice? Not as much as we might like it to be. Was it popular? with a small ragtag bunch of followers, to be sure, but it also got Jesus killed. It got him a, a suffering, a humiliating death on the cross. But still, despite the challenges, despite the opposition, despite the humiliation and the insults, Jesus speaks up and speaks out. He still lives a life that showed us the heart of God more than any other that there has been or will be. And we are called to be like him. And so the people begin to work when they heard from God. They did something with what they'd heard. And when we think about what God is saying and, and maybe speaking to us as a community of disciples together, they might be big things or small things. The challenge is to do more than acknowledge it, but actually to do something in response to it. It would be easy, friends, to pass these months off as just a phase to hope that everything will just settle down eventually. 
and things will blow over and they will go back to being exactly as they were before. But I think not only is that unlikely, but I think to be in that mindset is to miss the opportunity that this moment presents to us. What if God wants, to, God wants us to grasp a proverbial nettle, to respond to where the wind of the Spirit is blowing? What if that involves us being led into new territory? What if God is challenging us to reach up and reach out in new ways? Then what? The challenge always for us as God's people is so through the guidance of the Holy Spirit to discern where is God at work? What is God saying? And when we think God is revealing something of that to us, we have to see and share and speak it out. So friends, come and share. Come and talk what you see God doing. We need to respond in those moments before it drifts from our mind with all the other pressures that are upon us. Friends, the good news is that despite this message that God brings, this great encouragement and challenge to rebuild the temple, that God was not dependent on the people of Judah to be God. God is not dependent on us either. He can raise up another community of believers um, who have this sense of what God is calling them to do. To borrow image from Revelation, the lampstand may be removed and placed elsewhere. Yet there is a sense in which God chooses to uh, limit God's self to us and allow us to play a part in the purposes of God's kingdom. God could do it all without us, God works through relationship. God works through God's people. And so wonderfully, graciously, we are called to be part of building the kingdom of God. It's an incredible privilege and it's a massive responsibility. God is in the stirring up business. So friends, if you're feeling stirred, don't fear, but trust that God is with you and know that there are good things to come. May God find hearts willing to be stirred amongst us today. And may God find a people ready to respond to that stirring. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we continue to thank you for the message of the prophet Haggai. And Lord, we thank you that when you issued this challenge to your people in those days, that they not only heard it, but they responded to it, despite its challenges, despite some of the difficulties that would lay ahead. They got to work because they recognised your calling. Lord, come and stir our hearts, we pray, and help us to have the courage to respond when you do. And this we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.